part four section one of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part four section one letter from nathaniel to lothair i know you are all very uneasy because i have not written for such a long long time mother to be sure is angry and clara i dare say believes i am living here in riot and revelry and quite forgetting my sweet angel whose image is so deeply engraved upon my heart and mind but that is not so daily and hourly do i think of you all and my lovely clara's form comes to gladden me in my dreams and smiles upon me with her bright eyes as graciously as she used to do in the days when i went in and out amongst you oh how could i write to you in the distracted state of mind in which i have been and which until now has quite bewildered me a terrible thing has happened to me dark forebodings of some awful fate threatening me are spreading themselves out over my head like black clouds impenetrable to every friendly ray of sunlight i must now tell you what has taken place i must that i see well enough but only to think upon it makes the wild laughter burst from my lips oh my dear dear lothar what shall i say to make you feel if only in an inadequate way that that which happened to me a few days ago could thus really exercise such a hostile and disturbing influence upon my life oh that you were here to see for yourself but now you will i suppose take me for a superstitious ghost-seer in a word the terrible thing which i have experienced the fatal effect of which i in vain exert every effort to shake off is simply that some days ago namely on the thirtieth october at twelve o'clock at noon a dealer in weather-glasses came into my room and wanted to sell me one of his wares i bought nothing and threatened to kick him downstairs whereupon he went away of his own accord you will conclude that it can only be very peculiar relations relations intimately intertwined with my life that can give significance to this event and that it must be the person of this unfortunate hawker which has had such a very inimical effect upon me and so it really is i will summon up all my faculties in order to narrate to you calmly and patiently as much of the early days of my youth as will suffice to put matters before you in such a way that your keen sharp intellect may grasp everything clearly and distinctly in bright and living pictures just as i am beginning i hear you laugh and clara say what's all this childish nonsense about well laugh at me laugh heartily at me pray do but good god my hair is standing on end and i seem to be entreating you to laugh at me in the same sort of frantic despair in which franz moore entreated daniel to laugh him to scorn but to my story except at dinner we that is i and my brothers and sisters saw but little of our father all day long his business no doubt took up most of his time after our evening meal which in accordance with an old custom was served at seven o'clock we all went mother with us into father's room and took our places around a round table my father smoked his pipe drinking a large glass of beer to it often he told us many wonderful stories and got so excited over them that his pipe always went out 
i used then to light it for him with the spill and this formed my chief amusement often again he would give us picture-books to look at whilst he sat silent and motionless in his easy-chair puffing out such dense clouds of smoke that we were all as it were enveloped in mist on such evenings mother was very sad and directly it struck nine she said come children off to bed come the sandman is come i see and i always did seem to hear something trampling upstairs with slow heavy steps that must be the sandman once in particular i was very much frightened at this dull trampling and knocking as mother was leading us out of the room i asked her oh mamma but who is this nasty sandman who always sends us away from papa what does he look like there is no sandman my dear child mother answered when i say the sandman is come i only mean that you are sleepy and can't keep your eyes open as if somebody had put sand in them this answer of mother's did not satisfy me nay in my childish mind the thought clearly unfolded itself that mother denied there was a sandman only to prevent us being afraid why i always heard him come upstairs full of curiosity to learn something more about this sandman and what he had to do with us children i at length asked the old woman who acted as my youngest sister's attendant what sort of a man he was the sandman why thaniel darling don't you know she replied oh he's a wicked man who comes to little children when they won't go to bed and throws handfuls of sand in their eyes so that they jump out of their heads all bloody and he puts them into a bag and takes them to the half-moon as food for his little ones and they sit there in the nest and have hooked beaks like owls and they pick naughty little boys and girls eyes out with them after this i formed in my own mind a horrible picture of the cruel sandman when anything came blundering upstairs at night i trembled with fear and dismay and all that my mother could get out of me were the stammered words the sandman the sandman whilst the tears coursed down my cheeks then i ran into my bedroom and the whole night through tormented myself with the terrible apparition of the sandman i was quite old enough to perceive that the old woman's tale about the sandman and his little one's nest in the half-moon couldn't be altogether true nevertheless the sandman continued to be for me a fearful incubus and i was always seized with terror my blood always ran cold not only when i heard anybody come up the stairs but when i heard anybody noisily open my father's room door and go in often he stayed away for a long season altogether then he would come several times in close succession this went on for years without my being able to accustom myself to this fearful apparition without the image of the horrible sandman growing any fainter in my imagination his intercourse with my father began to occupy my fancy ever more and more i was restrained from asking my father about him by an unconquerable shyness but as the years went on the desire waxed stronger and stronger within me to fathom the mystery myself and to see the fabulous sandman he had been the means of disclosing to me the path of the wonderful and the adventurous which so easily find lodgment in the mind of the child i liked nothing better than to hear or read horrible stories of goblins witches tom thumbs and so on but always at the head of them all stood the sandman 
whose picture i scribbled in the most extraordinary and repulsive forms with both chalk and coal everywhere on the tables and cupboard doors and walls when i was ten years old my mother removed me from the nursery into a little chamber off the corridor not far from my father's room we still had to withdraw hastily whenever on the stroke of nine the mysterious unknown was heard in the house as i lay in my little chamber i could hear him go into father's room and soon afterwards i fancied there was a fine and peculiar smelling steam spreading itself through the house as my curiosity waxed stronger my resolve to make somehow or other the sandman's acquaintance took deeper root often when my mother had gone past i slipped quickly out of my room into the corridor but i could never see anything for always before i could reach the place where i could get sight of him the sandman was well inside the door at last unable to resist the impulse any longer i determined to conceal myself in father's room and there wait for the sandman one evening i perceived from my father's silence and mother's sadness that the sandman would come accordingly pleading that i was excessively tired i left the room before nine o'clock and concealed myself in a hiding-place close beside the door the street door creaked and slow heavy echoing steps crossed the passage towards the door mother hurried past me with my brothers and sisters softly softly i opened father's room door he sat as usual silent and motionless with his back towards it he did not hear me and in a moment i was in and behind a curtain drawn before my father's open wardrobe which stood just inside the room nearer and nearer and nearer came the echoing footsteps there was a strange coughing and shuffling and mumbling outside my heart beat with expectation and fear a quick step now close close beside the door a noisy rattle of the handle and the door flies open with a bang recovering my courage with an effort i take a cautious peep out in the middle of the room in front of my father stands the sandman the bright light of the lamp falling full upon his face the sandman the terrible sandman is the old advocate coppelius who often comes to dine with us but the most hideous figure could not have awakened greater trepidation in my heart than this coppelius did picture to yourself a large broad-shouldered man with an immensely big head a face the colour of yellow ochre grey bushy eyebrows from beneath which two piercing greenish cat-like eyes glittered and a prominent roman nose hanging over his upper lip his distorted mouth was often screwed up into a malicious smile then two dark red spots appeared on his cheeks and a strange hissing noise proceeded from between his tightly clenched teeth he always wore an ash-grey coat of an old-fashioned cut a waistcoat of the same and nether extremities to match but black stockings and buckles set with stones on his shoes his little wig scarcely extended beyond the crown of his head his hair was curled round high up above his big red ears and plastered to his temples with cosmetic and a broad closed hair-bag stood out prominently from his neck so that you could see the silver buckle that fastened his folded neckcloth altogether he was a most disagreeable and horribly ugly figure 
but what we children detested most of all was his big coarse hairy hands we could never fancy anything that he had once touched this he had noticed and so whenever our good mother quietly placed a piece of cake or sweet fruit on our plates he delighted to touch it under some pretext or other until the bright tears stood in our eyes and from disgust and loathing we lost the enjoyment of the tit-bit that was intended to please us and he did just the same thing when father gave us a glass of sweet wine on holidays then he would quickly pass his hand over it or sometimes even raise the glass to his blue lips and he laughed quite sardonically when all we dared do was to express our vexation in stifled sobs he habitually called us the little brutes and when he was present we might not utter a sound and we cursed the ugly spiteful man who deliberately and intentionally spoilt all our little pleasures mother seemed to dislike this hateful coppelius as much as we did for as soon as he appeared her cheerfulness and bright and natural manner were transformed into sad gloomy seriousness father treated him as if he were a being of some higher race whose ill manners were to be tolerated whilst no efforts ought to be spared to keep him in good humour he had only to give a slight hint and his favourite dishes were cooked for him and rare wine uncorked as soon as i saw this coppelius therefore the fearful and hideous thought arose in my mind that he and he alone must be the sandman but i no longer conceived of the sandman as the bugbear in the old nurse's fable who fetched children's eyes and took them to the half-moon as food for his little ones no but as an ugly spectre-like fiend bringing trouble and misery and ruin both temporal and everlasting everywhere wherever he appeared i was spellbound on the spot at the risk of being discovered and as i well enough knew of being severely punished i remained as i was with my head thrust through the curtains listening my father received coppelius in a ceremonious manner come to work cried the latter in a hoarse snarling voice throwing off his coat gloomily and silently my father took off his dressing-gown and both put on long black smock-frocks where they took them from i forgot to notice father opened the folding doors of a cupboard in the wall but i saw that what i had so long taken to be a cupboard was really a dark recess in which was a little hearth coppelius approached it and a blue flame crackled upwards from it round about were all kinds of strange utensils good god as my old father bent down over the fire how different he looked his gentle and venerable features seemed to be drawn up by some dreadful convulsive pain into an ugly repulsive satanic mask he looked like coppelius coppelius plied the red-hot tongs and drew bright glowing masses out of the thick smoke and began assiduously to hammer them i fancied that there were men's faces visible round about but without eyes having ghastly deep black holes where the eyes should have been eyes here eyes here cried coppelius in a hollow sepulchral voice my blood ran cold with horror i screamed and tumbled out of my hiding-place into the floor coppelius immediately seized upon me you little brute you little brute he bleated grinding his teeth then snatching me up he threw me on the hearth so that the flames began to singe my hair 
now we've got eyes eyes a beautiful pair of children's eyes he whispered and thrusting his hands into the flames he took out some red-hot grains and was about to strew them into my eyes then my father clasped his hands and entreated him saying master master let my nathaniel keep his eyes oh do let him keep them coppelius laughed shrilly and replied well then the boy may keep his eyes and whine and pule his way through the world but we will now at any rate observe the mechanism of the hand and the foot and therewith he roughly laid hold upon me so that my joints cracked and twisted my hands and my feet pulling them now this way and now that that's not quite right altogether it's better as it was the old fellow knew what he was about thus lisped and hissed coppelius but all around me grew black and dark a sudden convulsive pain shot through all my nerves and bones i knew nothing more i felt a soft warm breath fanning my cheek i awakened as if out of the sleep of death my mother was bending over me is the sandman still there i stammered no my dear child he's been gone a long long time he'll not hurt you thus spoke my mother as she kissed her recovered darling and pressed him to her heart but why should i tire you my dear lothar why do i dwell at such lengths on these details when there's so much remains to be said enough i was detected in my eavesdropping and roughly handled by coppelius fear and terror had brought on a violent fever of which i lay ill several weeks is the sandman still there these were the first words i uttered on coming to myself again the first sign of my recovery of my safety thus you see i have only to relate to you the most terrible moment of my youth for you to thoroughly understand that it must not be ascribed to the weakness of my eyesight if all that i see is colourless but to the fact that a mysterious destiny has hung a dark veil of clouds about my life which i shall perhaps only break through when i die coppelius did not show himself again it was reported he had left the town it was about a year later when in pursuance of the old unchanged custom we sat around the round table in the evening father was in very good spirits and was telling us amusing tales about his youthful travels as it was striking nine we all at once heard the street door creak on its hinges and slow ponderous steps echoed across the passage and up the stairs that is coppelius said my mother turning pale yes it is coppelius replied my father in a faint broken voice the tears started from my mother's eyes but father father she cried must it be so this is the last time he replied this is the last time he will come to me i promise you go now go and take the children go go to bed good night as for me i felt as if i were converted into cold heavy stone i could not get my breath as i stood there immovable my mother seized me by the arm come nathaniel do come along i suffered myself to be led away i went into my room be a good boy and keep quiet mother called after me get into bed and go to sleep but tortured by indescribable fear and uneasiness i could not close my eyes that hateful hideous coppelius stood before me with his glittering eyes smiling maliciously down upon me in vain did i strive to banish the image somewhere about midnight there was a terrific crack as if a cannon were being fired off the whole house shook something went rustling and clattering past my door 
the house-door was pulled to with a bang that is coppelius i cried terror-struck and leapt out of bed then i heard a wild heart-rending scream i rushed into my father's room the door stood open and clouds of suffocating smoke came rolling towards me the servant-maid shouted oh my master my master on the floor in front of the smoking hearth lay my father dead his face burned black and fearfully distorted my sisters weeping and moaning around him and my mother lying near them in a swoon coppelius you atrocious fiend you've killed my father i shouted my senses left me two days later when my father was placed in his coffin his features were mild and gentle again as they had been when he was alive i found great consolation in the thought that his association with the diabolical coppelius could not have ended in his everlasting ruin our neighbours had been awakened by the explosion the affair got talked about and came before the magisterial authorities who wished to cite coppelius to clear himself but he had disappeared from the place leaving no traces behind him now when i tell you my dear friend that the weather-glass hawker i spoke of was the villain coppelius you will not blame me for seeing impending mischief in his inauspicious reappearance he was differently dressed but coppelius's figure and features are too deeply impressed upon my mind for me to be capable of making a mistake in the matter moreover he has not even changed his name he proclaims himself here i learn to be a piedmontese mechanician and styles himself giuseppe coppola i am resolved to enter the lists against him and revenge my father's death let the consequences be what they may don't say a word to mother about the reappearance of this odious monster give my love to my darling clara i will write to her when i am in a somewhat calmer frame of mind adieu etc end of part four section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine